When a man crawls into bed so tired he doesn't take off his clothes, he has no idea that his clothes are about to be evidence of a paranormal encounter. And then we travel to Georgia to visit a house that is currently under assault by a creature from another reality. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. We got a ton of stuff to cover, so let's go ahead and get started. First off, walking into Dead Rabbit Command. I don't even know if this person still listens to the show. Walking into Dead Rabbit Command right now, give it up for Maximilian. Woo! Come on in, Maximilian. The door is just opening. No one's there. Uh, Maxi? Maxi, I actually just found a list. I'm always doing like live stream shout outs and Patreon shout outs. I found a list from people who donated, people who donated to the show from like 2020. So Maximilian donated during the Thanksgiving live stream of 2020. Hope you're still alive. Maybe you still listen to the podcast. I don't know. But Maximilian, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the show financially, that's fine too. Just help spread the word about the show. That really... Really helps out a lot. Maxie here. I'm going to toss you the keys. No one catches them. Ching, ching, ching. Um, I'm tossing the keys to Maximilian. We are hopping in the Jason Jalopy. We are leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. Maxie, drive us all the way out to Canada. This is a really cool story because we actually have not just the city. This story takes place in Vancouver, Canada. We have a street. We basically have a street address. I found this really cool website recently. It's called ufobc.ca. It's a UFO website specifically for Canada. and We have a lot of good stuff coming up from them. This might be the first time we've talked about them. And I want to give a shout out to Bill Oliver. He's the guy who wrote this article about what we're going to be talking about. So, Bill, thank you so much for putting this together. This story takes place February 1998, somewhere around there. And if you're familiar with the Vancouver area, you're like living on this street right now. You're like, uh In the South Granville Marple area on 70th and Hudson, there's an apartment complex. And in this apartment complex, there's a young man. His name is Rod. 26 years old back in 1998, so that would make him add the years together, and we'll guess how old he is now. But back then, he was 26, and he was sharing an apartment with his brother. Rod gets off work, and he gets home, and his brother's there, and his brother's girlfriend is there, and they're just chilling, and Rod's like, you know, I had such a long day at work. Let's do this. So, drinking, kicking back, they're drinking, the three of them. But Rod actually had such a long day and probably a pretty low alcohol tolerance like myself. He only has four drinks, and he passes out in the living room around 2 a.m. And according to his brother, his brother had to get Rod into Rod's bed, put him down, and he was fully clothed. It was one of those days where you're just so tired, and you've had a couple drinks, you don't even have the wherewithal to take off your clothes. He's in his boots, he's in his work boots when Rod is put to bed. The next thing Rod remembers, though, he doesn't really remember getting into bed, The next thing Rod remembers, he is standing in a room being blinded by a light. Oh, oh, my eyes. Why did Thomas Edison even want to invent these things? Ah. And as his eyes are adjusting to the light, he realizes that he is only wearing basketball shorts. 
He's trying to go, wait a second, I remember I was in the living room and I had a couple beers, and the next thing I know, I'm here, blinded light, where are all my clothes, where am I? And as he's trying to piece all of this together, he hears a voice say, What are you doing in my apartment? And Rod fully opens his eyes, the light, his, his eyes have adjusted to the inventions of Thomas Edison, he realizes he's not in his apartment. He's in his neighbor's apartment. Now, I'm thinking that they're, when I say neighbors, like they're physical neighbors, but they don't seem to know each other that well. Because this dude is super irate. He wasn't like, hey, Rod, you okay? This guy's yelling at him. What are you doing in my apartment? And Rod starts to apologize. And he walks out the door. And when he leaves the neighbor's apartment, sure enough, it is his neighbor. Like, he goes into this apartment hallway. And he's looking... At his door now. He's like, what in the world? And so he goes to get into his apartment. And he realizes it's locked. And he doesn't have his keys. His keys were in his pants when he came home from work. So he's locked out of his apartment. He's knocking on the door. He hears his brother get up. It's like 3 in the morning at this point. His brother gets up. And the door's double locked. So not only is it locked, but the deadbolt's on. And the brother opens the door, and he sees Rod standing there just wearing his basketball shirt. What in the world are you doing? He's like, I have no idea what's going on. Just let me in the apartment. The neighbor here, he's super mad at me. And Rod walks in, and he goes, dude, I have no idea what happened. What is going on? And the brother goes, I, I have no idea either. I put you to bed. Like, you passed out in the living room. I carried you into the bed. But you were wearing all of your clothes. There's so much weird stuff going on here. First off, first off, Rod is half naked. Secondly, he ended up in the neighbor's house, but he's thinking logically. He goes, let's say that I slept to walk out of the house. How would I have locked the door behind me, both the door and the deadbolt, without my keys? Like, you can imagine you could lock your door and then from the inside and then walk out and shut it really hard and then your doorknob's locked. But there's no way to lock the deadbolt without the key. And that's when he's like, well, my keys are in my pants. And then where in the world are my pants? So him and his brother go into Rod's bedroom and there they find his clothes. Now, at this point, you could just be thinking, this is just a drunk Canadian story. The whole country has a drinking problem, according to that documentary, Strange Brew. He's just drunk. He walked out in the middle of the night. He somehow did the key thing. This is not alien related. This is just a, someone with a serious alcohol problem. Well, what happens is when they go into the bedroom... They see that Rod's clothes are perfectly laid out on the bed. And not laid out as in, these are the clothes I'm going to wear tomorrow because they're my work clothes. No. It was laid out as if someone was in their clothes, fully clothed, like he went to bed, and then disappeared. And the clothes just collapsed. In place like someone was still wearing them. You had the shirt, where the shirt should be, at the top, right? Do I have to describe how clothes are worn? You had the jeans that were still tucked into his boots, and his socks were also still inside his boots. Again, not rolled up, not rolled up in a ball all nicely. It looked like someone had sucked him out of his clothes and they just fell in place. And Rod and his brother, when they were being interviewed by Bill Oliver, Rod and his brother said, we're both really light sleepers. So even if 
Rod was sleepwalking, took all of his <laughs> somehow took all of his clothes off, and then you could recreate this, right? Like you could actually make your clothes do this. But Rod goes, even if I did do that, I was running some sort of scheme or scam for whatever reason. My brother would have woken up. And I've never sleptwalked before. And even if I did sleepwalk, this is, this is a weird way to sleepwalk to put all your clothes back and to be able to lock a door even though they were able to verify his house keys were in the jeans in the bed just laying there. They also said that just going to the bathroom wakes the other person up. It's super squeaky floor in the house. It's very unlikely that Rod's brother slept through this. However, Rod's brother was also drinking, so you could figure maybe it is just Canada's natural alcohol problem that caused this. But the point, but the fact that, so this is what's interesting. So you have physical evidence of the clothes laying there, but how do you explain him locking the deadbolt from the other side of the door? And apparently after this encounter, both Rod's brother and Rod's mom were able to verify he had some moles, two new moles on the back of his neck. So the, the kind of the implication, this is on a website called UFOBC, so it is for UFO stuff. The implication is that he was abducted by aliens and dropped into the neighbor's house. And you go, Jason, if aliens have the ability to fly across time and space or come from other dimensions or whatever they're doing, surely they could put him back exactly where they got him. What's interesting is this is super common in UFO lore. Like, I don't know if we've ever explicitly covered it. I thought this story was interesting just because we have all of this evidence and these other witnesses. It is very, very common for aliens. We have covered this before. Aliens drop people off in the wrong location all the time. It, it happens so often that I don't know if I could actually mention the key episodes or certain episodes we've talked about it, but in UFO lore, it happens a lot. And there have been stories of people dropped in with their clothes on backwards. There have been stories where people have been dropped in in clothes that they weren't wearing at the time. They get abducted wearing one outfit and they come back. Well, they lose time, right? They wake up or they end up in another location. They're wearing different clothes. That's not uncommon for UFOs. And the question is, why are they doing this? How could you have the technology to suck someone out of their clothes, but then when you go to put them back, you just grab a pair of basketball shorts and throw it on them? Memory, if memory serves me right, and again, I don't think I could point to a particular episode, I think there have been people dropped off in clothes that weren't their own as well. I may have not covered that on the show. I may have just come, come across that, because a lot of times these stories, they just kind of, you read so many of them, they start to blur together sometimes. But... This isn't uncommon for aliens to drop people off in odd locations. I mentioned this uh, this story on a recent episode. There was a woman who was abducted from Argentina, and she was dropped off like 40 miles away, and people couldn't figure out what that was. And there's an interesting thing going on right now. Is she had her cell phone on her the whole time. So they're actually trying to look at the cell phone data. There's still no been no answers for that, but they say that with the cell phone data, they should be able to see how that journey was made. And I'll put that link in the show notes. We've never covered it officially. I guess we should at this point. I've talked about it two or three times on the show, but uh, this isn't uncommon for aliens to abduct you and put you in the wrong location and put you in clothes you weren't wearing. Such an interesting quirk of alien behavior. Why are they doing it? Is it because they don't care? Is it because their technology isn't as effective as we think it is? I'm sure they can walk through walls and they can travel across the cosmos. But it could be that it is prone to error. Like, are they doing it on purpose or is it just accidental? 
I know the United States, we hype up all, all of our technology all the time. It's just a Cold War. It's just it's just a habit left over from the Cold War. Oh, we have a satellite that can read a quarter. or read, If you're reading a newspaper, we can like look over your shoulder with a satellite. No, they can't. That technology has never existed. That was 100% Cold War propaganda. I remember during the, when we all had to wear masks during COVID, there were still people going, oh, no, they can still detect you. You wear that mask and the CIA still can use the... No, they can't. That the the mask wearing stuff must have been a nightmare for intel operations inside and outside the United States. And people have I've read articles where they're like, no, 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 the the, the technology is still there. Even if you wear a mask, you can be tracked by all of these. No, they can't. No, they can't. They can't do that. One hundred percent, they can't do that. It's so interesting when the government using the media, right? They go hand in hand. They're telling you something that is one hundred percent not true. Because I remember reading articles all as a child being told about how good our spy satellites were. And they can read a they can read a license plate from space. And it was 100%. It was not true. Don't worry. Don't worry. The CIA will still be able to spy on the bad guys, even though we're all wearing masks. No, they can't. Fascinating. I mentioned it. I know I totally segued into something else. But I mentioned to Sabine the other day. I said, this is 100% true. It is not illegal for the media to lie to you. And when I'm saying media, I'm specifically talking about newspapers and news channels. It is not illegal for news channels to lie to you. Isn't that crazy? Like, think about it. It's it's not. There is no law. They cannot defame or commit libel. That's it. You could have a news channel that tells you something that the reporters and the editors and the executives and all of them know is a flat-out lie. It's totally legal. As long as it is not defamatory or libelous, they can lie to you. You can't say, oh, that's not true. It's so weird. Isn't that weird to think about it? And when I told Sabine that, she it kind of took her aback, and she was trying to think of an example, and I said, it is not. there is no law on the books that says that a news channel has to tell you the truth. None. So, fascinating. So, I, I don't know where... Oh, because I, so I was saying maybe alien technology is also prone to error, and maybe a lot of it is propaganda as well. It's not as good as... We think it would be. If you're able to fly from Alpha Centauri to here, you would think you would be able to pick someone out of one room and put them back into that same room, and it just might not exist. They may not. They may be prone to error. They may not be able to do that. It may not be that exact. Fascinating story. Again, how did he lock himself out? How did he get out of the clothes? And it's one of those stories that you you have multiple witnesses, especially the, especially the angry neighbor. There's a dude just standing in his house. And have no idea how he gets there. I wonder if that ever happens like some dude gets blasted by a homeowner. Because they're like, someone was breaking into my house. And it was just, aliens <laughs> dropped you off at really the wrong house. And some dude came in and saw some stranger standing there and just blasted him with a shotgun. And then in town, they're like, that's weird. I wonder why that guy, he's a pretty upstanding citizen. Why was he breaking into this dude's house? Well, who knows? But he was in the house and this dude killed him. It probably doesn't happen super often. I'm sure the cops would investigate that if, like, some executive from Exxon was, like, standing in a house and he gets shot to death. I want to be. I don't think the cops would be like, well, we're not going to investigate that. Obviously, the CEO of this major gas company wanted some crack money. Case closed. Maximilian, let's go ahead and toss you the keys of the Carpenter Copter. We're leaving behind Canada. We are headed all the way out 
to the state of Georgia. I found this posted online the other day. It was written by a man who goes by the handle of Such Sloth. We're going to call him Michael. If that's your real name, it's just a guess. And this was posted. It's interesting because I was able to look through other things that Such Sloth has written. This story takes place over a period of years. So he posted something in... 2021 and now he's posted an update to it and this is interesting because in between the two stories he's asking people about how to work on an aquarium or what type of spider is this he's posting on all these other different things and that does lend a lot of credence to it whenever i find someone and they go i've had the most insane encounter then i look through their post history and they've had 20 insane encounters it does make me a little more cautious there was one story i wanted to cover about a guy who had the mandela effect basically happen only in his house he woke up one morning and his house was rearranged his entire closet was flip-flops everything on the left side was on the right side and i was like oh dude this sounds super dope and as i was typing up i read it and i was like oh that's awesome and as i was typing up the notes i took a look at his username it was called i gave your mom aids I was like, damn, it's okay. I don't know how serious this account was. The very first thing they posted was this paranormal story. I was like, damn it. So sometimes sometimes you got to like feel it out, right? Because we're talking about this stuff that's fantastical. I'll put that in the show notes. I'll put that link in the show notes. Uh, Maybe it's true. But again, if it is, (laughs) that might not want to be your name. You want to be taken seriously. Not saying such sloth is the Socrates of our time, but there's. it's nice to see a post history that shows that this person's living a normal life in between, in between these two terrifying events. We're in the town of Georgia, and he says he lives in a rural town that's not far from a major city. And he says the way it's set up is there's two neighborhoods, and they're separated by this marsh he goes it's this really dense forested area but the but it's not like a place where you can go camping he goes there's a lot of mud it's really gross and it's about a he said it's probably less than a mile wide you have this other neighborhood that you could walk to if you wanted to walk through the mud and scramble over bushes and bramble and all of that stuff and this man michael he gets this house in this neighborhood and his fence His fence line is right on the edge of this marsh. So it's his fence. He can look out on the other side and just see a bunch of trees. And you probably hear frogs and stuff at night. And like, I don't know, woodpeckers. Maybe maybe those live down there. I don't know. But anyway, so his house backs up to this natural area. He lives next door to this guy named Dave who's lived in the area for a while. And currently, this story starts off in 2021. His girlfriend's living with him. He has a couple dogs, a couple chickens, a couple cats, just living the Georgia lifestyle, right? Well, what happens is every so often, he starts to realize first, one of his dogs won't go into the backyard. Like, hates going to the backyard once it gets dark, but the dog has to pee, right? And he's trying to force his dog to go out and pee, and it doesn't want to. And he thinks that's really weird that his dog doesn't want to go out there, but he's forcing his dog to go. And one time he is out there, he's with his dog. The dog basically is about to pee its pants, but he needs to go outside. And as he's out there, every so often, he'll see something run by the fence line. It'll be on the other side of the fence, and it's fast. So fast, it's like a blur. 
and runs past the fence line. He freaks his dog out every single time. He understands why his dog doesn't want to be out there now, but he doesn't know what it is. Right. He has no idea what this thing could be. It runs by so quickly. Maybe the trick of the light. He he can't prove that anything's out there. But it does start to give him the creeps as well. But after a certain point, human curiosity gets the better of him. He goes to his neighbor, Dave, and he says, Hey, have you ever seen anything running along the tree line? I have this dog that doesn't want to pee, and I've seen like this blur, and it's big. It's like eight feet tall running by the fence. And Dave's like, no, I haven't really seen anything like that, but, you know, let's check it out. Again, human curiosity, what could this be? And Dave grabs his gun, and they go to the fence line, and they don't see anything. They're out there for a bit. Dog. (laughs) His dog's inside, locking the door, hiding underneath the bed. Dave and Michael are out there, and they're kind of looking around. They don't see anything. They're shining flashlights into the woods. They don't see anything. And then... Maybe a hundred yards into the marsh, they begin to hear something rustling through the bushes. Shining the flashlights over there. Can't really get a good look at it. And then, bam! Something hits the fence. Something actually slams in to the fence. They can't see it but they could feel it. They could feel that impact as it hit the fence. Michael said the way it seemed was that it was 100 yards out in the marsh, and then the next thing he knew, it was five feet in front of him. He goes, we didn't hear any noise at all. And then it's five feet in front of him, and they hear the bushes moving, they hear the rustling of the foliage around them, and it smashes into the fence. He goes, I have no idea how it moved so quickly, so quietly. It was almost like it teleported within five feet of us. We're right against the fence, but on our side, on the house side of the fence, smashes into the fence, and Dave is so terrified by this thing, he fires a shot off into the darkness. And nothing is screaming in pain. I mean, luckily, right, it wasn't that there was a really fast bum out there. And that was one thing he said. He goes, this place is not a place that you would camp. There were no homeless people running around out there. Definitely no eight feet tall homeless people who could teleport. He goes, it's not a place where you would even want to stay during the day, let alone run around at night. They're about to run. Dave and Michael, the shot's been fired. Dave and Michael are totally freaking out. They have no idea how something could creep up on them so quickly. They're about to run, but then they're stopped by a voice. Right in front of them, in this darkness of this marsh, of this forest-filled, muddy marsh. He said the voice sounded human. His exact quote was, human in nature. The voice sounded human, but he didn't recognize the language. However, even though the voice sounded human, the language sounded alien. It was so off-putting and so upsetting to hear this voice that Dave and Michael, this was what broke them, Dave and Michael took off running, they ran into the house. They're in the house. They're trying to calm down. The girlfriend had been out earlier that evening, also kind of looking around with a flashlight, but they didn't see anything, and that's why he went and got Dave. So she was already in the house with the scared dog. And while they're in the house, he said, we were there for maybe about 10 minutes, and then a massive explosion rocked the house. He said the windows rattled, the lights flickered, 
and something huge blew up in the woods. It was so loud that neighbors were coming around. They could see people were driving around the neighborhood trying to figure out where that explosion came from. And it was so loud, they actually called 911. Right? The gunshot in Georgia didn't set anyone off. But Michael called 911 and said, hey, there was just an explosion in the woods behind my house. And the police came out and they took a report. And Michael and Dave and the girlfriend are standing there. And Michael's saying, yeah, yeah, I don't know if he said I saw a monster in the back or I didn't see a monster. It sounded like an alien. It's a giant thing. It's been running around my yard. But Michael definitely said there was an explosion somewhere in the woods. It actually shook the house and the windows rattled and the power flickered. And the police took the report and then they go to leave. Michael's like, well, aren't you going to go out and check out and see what that explosion could have been? And the cops were like, nope. And they left. They refused to go into the woods. And this story ends with Dave, the outdoorsman, refusing to leave his house after dark because of this event. Like after this, when the sun set, Dave stayed inside. His neighbor Dave did not want to go outside anymore. Now that story was posted back in 2021. If I remember correctly, he didn't give a time for it. I think he just said, this story has happened. He titled it The Woods, and he posted the story back in 2021. And then for the next year was posting things like, how do I get my aquarium to work? What type of spider is this? He was looking for stuff for like some card game. It's just all of these basic posts. Nothing really super interesting. But it does give us an insight on who this person is. A normal person. Could be a long-term ARG, right? Those things have happened. But this guy then posts, Michael then just posts about all of these random things until a couple days ago. Michael recently posted that whatever happened back in 2021 is happening again, and it has escalated. He said in February, earlier this year, in February 2022, Michael came out of his house one morning in his backyard. He has all these little chickens. He sees this chicken sitting there rubbing his leg. I don't know if he was actually rubbing his leg, but Michael came out. I don't know if he was all making sad balking noises. Michael came out. One of his chickens had a broken leg. Couldn't figure it out, right? But, you know, sometimes chickens are, like, doing chicken stuff, breaking their legs. I don't know. I don't know. But he takes the chicken to the vet. He loves this little guy. He takes the chicken to the vet, and the vet's like, well, you know, chickens do chicken things. Chickens break their legs. We're going to have to put her down, though. That would be the humane thing to do. And Michael didn't want to do that. He actually he actually steals the chicken back. He goes, no, I won't let you do it. The veterinarian, the veterinarian is bordered by a KFC. He's like, oh, man, that's totally going to sell that chicken. Michael actually takes the chicken back and nurses it back to health. He goes, to this day, that little chicken has a bit of a limp, but he's doing okay. But Michael's not. Obviously, I wouldn't be talking about the story if that was the end of it. A chicken was nursed back to health. I'm glad the chicken's okay, but that's not the end of the story. After the chicken attack, Michael starts having these vivid nightmares. He keeps dreaming that he's being chased through the woods. He keeps dreaming that he'll just appear in the middle of the woods and be lost. He's completely on edge. These dreams are not letting him rest. And even during his waking hours, he feels like he's constantly on edge. A week after the first chicken had its leg broken, 
And while that one is being nursed back to health, Michael comes out of his house one day and he finds another one of his chickens, both legs snapped in half. Michael's looking at the scene here. There's no blood anywhere. There's no sign of an attack. It's just this chicken's legs are broken in half. And this is when he thinks, what if it's back? So he had no, based on this statement that he's putting, he had no other experiences between the explosion back before 2021 when he wrote that initial post and then this, the chicken's legs getting broken. And he probably had hoped that whatever it was was gone, maybe blew up, right? He goes out and he drops about $700 on trail cams. He goes and does research and gets the best quality SD cards for them. And he sets them up. He actually hides them all over the backyard. And he starts checking them twice a day. Nothing. Every day he goes out, checks them, comes back later in the day, checks them. They're not catching anything odd. He does this from February to March 15th of 2022. And that morning when he gets up to go check the trail cams, they're gone. He's pissed at this point. Like, whatever this thing is, it's attacking his chickens. He wasted a lot of money on trail cams, right? It's interfering with his life. And it's hurting the little chickens that he loves. He doesn't say that if he put down the second chicken or if he had a delicious chicken dinner. I don't know how you would nurse a chicken back to health with two broken legs, but not the point of the story. It's messing with his life. It's interfering with his sleep. It's interfering with his pets. It's interfering with his $700. So he's pissed. He's done, right? And it's daytime. He figures, I'm getting my cameras back. I don't know what in the world is out there, but I'm getting my cameras back. So he throws on his boots, puts on his hiking through the marsh clothes. He goes over the fence and begins to march through the marsh. He's pushing through vines. He's climbing over tree stumps. There's bushes. There's brambles. There's mud everywhere, and he's tromping through it. He's furious. Whatever this thing is, it ends now. And then... He's standing in a clearing. And he realizes a lot of things at once. First off, this shouldn't be here. There's no clearing in this marsh. There's no nice little patch of dry land encircled by trees. This geographical feature should not be here. One. Two. How long have I been walking? Remember, this is only a mile, less than a mile wide. As he began walking through the swampy forest, he should have reached the other neighborhood by now. He has no idea how long he's been walking. He has no idea how he got here or where he is. He starts to think, did I make a turn somewhere? Did I start walking the length of the forest instead of the width? Where am I? How did I get here? How did this get here? How did this feature, this dry clearing, get here? And then, in the middle of the clearing, is one of his trail cams. He knows he needs to get home. He knows he needs to get home now. And he turns, and he heads off through the marsh. 
He climbs over a tree stump. He moves through the bramble. He pushes aside a vine. He's standing at his fence. He said, I walked maybe 100 paces from that clearing. I turned and I walked 100 steps and I was at my fence. For all that time stomping through the marsh and climbing over the stumps, stepping around the bushes and walking through the muck, all of that time I walked so long I don't even know where I was or how long I was out there. When I turned around, it took me less than two minutes to reach my fence. He said he was so terrified by this anomaly, by this series of events, he called in sick to work, locked himself in his bedroom, and stayed there for the rest of the day. In fact, he ends his post pretty much in that same situation. He wrote, quote, I called out of work and it's been about 18 hours. And all I can think about is going back in. And I think he's implying, I don't think he's thinking about going back into work. He's like, oh, Mr. Johnson wants those reports. I think he's, I think he's thinking about going back into the marsh, like something's calling him back in. I called out of work and it's been about 18 hours. And all I can think about is going back in. I'm scared. I can't sleep. I know it's watching me through my bedroom window. A terrifying story, if true, right? This obviously could be fake. It sounds almost too good to be true, but in the world, when we're doing paranormal research, right, you're constantly grabbing delicious food and you're eating it, om nom nom nom, and every so often you accidentally grab a wax apple and you realize it's fake and it sucks. But, you know, again, too good to be true, maybe. But still, we cover a lot of stuff that's too good to be true. A man whose house borders the unknown. He has that fence line that, at one point, some zoning inspector drew a line and says, this is the end of the neighborhood. And this will be the marshland. This will be the environmentally protected area. And then we'll have another neighborhood here. And all of these lines are man-made. And we never even question, well, why is this neighborhood end here? Well, that's where the zoning was. But the fact that police wouldn't go out there makes you think maybe this wasn't some artificially drawn zone. Maybe when this neighborhood was built, both neighborhoods, right? Because remember, there's two neighborhoods, one on each side of this marsh forest. Maybe there was a reason why they didn't chop down those woods. Maybe there was a reason why they didn't try cramming more houses into this area. Environmental concerns, certainly, right? That could be it. But there could be something dark and old in this forest that nobody wanted to try chopping it down. Or it could have been an artificially drawn line. Zoned this way, green area, green belt, zoned over here, this other neighborhood. And something came there. Something came from another world or another dimension, another reality, and made its home in the wilderness and began to shift it and warp it and twist it until it became what it is today. But imagine living in an area where you have a fence and on the other side of it is the unknown. Your house borders the world of the supernatural. 
That would be bad enough. But remember, this started because whatever is out there was affecting Michael's home. The dog didn't want to go outside. It was too terrified to go outside after dark. And then the creature was running along the fence line. And then the creature was crawling over the fence line. Attacking the chickens. Stealing the cameras. It was coming into our world. Even though that artificial line was divided and you could have easily had this is the world of the paranormal, we will not cross this fence. We will respect your space. This, whatever it is, is crawling into our neighborhoods and doing whatever it pleases. Is this story real? We don't know. That will always be the question with all of our stories. But if it is real... There's proof. There is a trail cam sitting in the middle of a clearing in the middle of a marsh. And on that trail cam is an SD card that has video footage of whatever took it. Michael is being called a faker and a fool and an insane person online. But if he wants to prove them all wrong, he just needs to go back into the woods, back to the clearing, and grab that camera, bring the SD card back, and he would have proof. If he did that, he would no longer be called a faker, but only a fool, only an insane man, would even think about going back to the clearing. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com podcast.